This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, my friends. Welcome, welcome. Today, we are on our PMP exam breakfast club, and this is where we chill out, talk about all things PMP, focus on things that are most important to us, and this is where we can ask any questions that we like. Now, don't forget, the intent is to enjoy your breakfast. I'm going to enjoy mine. Get yours. It's meant to be a relaxed atmosphere, so it's different from our usual sessions. But today, we're going to be focusing a little bit on the agile side of things. And we're going to be looking at the Agile Manifesto and how it relates to the Agile Practice Guide. Now, if you don't have your copy of the Agile Practice Guide, I recommend that you do that. In fact... I am going to grab my copy right now. So here is my copy of the Agile Practice Guide. And what we are looking at today is pages eight and nine, if you will, which is really the Agile Manifesto and the mindset and all that kind of stuff. So if we go to page eight, it reads... Thought leaders in the software industry formalized the Agile movement in 2001 with the publication of the Manifesto for Agile Software Development. And it reads, we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. And through this work, we've come to value individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, and responding to change over following a plan. Now, if you haven't already been to the Agile Manifesto site, let me show it to you. The Agile Manifesto website. And you can see right here, the Manifesto for Agile Software Development. I'm going to send this to you in the chat. And I encourage you to go check it out, have it bookmarked. But that's the Agile Manifesto, all right? And... In addition to the Agile Manifesto values, we also have the principles on page nine. So what we're going to do today, first of all, is take a look at the values and how they correlate to the Agile Practice Guide. And then we're going to take a look at the principles and see how they correlate to the Agile Practice Guide. So let's start off with the values. And I'm going to circle the ones that we're talking about right now. So individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So when you're thinking about this, the Agile Practice Guide covers this implicitly in the following topics. 
4.2, servant leadership empowers the team. 4.3, team composition. So we're talking about individuals. Well, servant leadership leads individuals. Team composition comprises of individuals. Charter the project and the, again, the word team. Daily stand-ups are conducted for the team, by the team. And organizational culture is something to do with individuals and interactions. So as you go through the Agile Practice Guide, pay close attention to how each section maps to the Agile values. Next one is working software over comprehensive documentation. And when we talk about working software, how do we achieve that? Having a solid backlog, so you want to spend time preparing it. You want to spend time refining the backlog. Demos and reviews help you better understand what is being done or what needs to be done and to get to a working product that the customer actually wants. Execution practices that help the team deliver value. So the key words, value and working product. Now, just bear in mind that even though it says working software, agile is not just for software, right? Now everyone uses Agile, be it a product, a service, some other result. A lot of companies use this. So the idea is to think about it as working product. It helps. All right. Next, we have customer collaboration over contract negotiation. So here... You want to be thinking about the team again. When we talk about collaboration, we are collaborating in order to attain that desired velocity, if you will. So when we talk about measurements in agile projects, the measurements are not being used against the team. They are being used to enhance the team, to propel the team. And that's what we need to think about. When we talk about contract negotiation, we could also think about how the team negotiates how much to get done within a particular time box. And those measurements need to be used to the team's advantage and not against the team. In the world of predictive, a lot of times we talk about KPIs and to be quite honest, they're used against the team because the mindset is bad. So these values are meant to align our mindset, right? Organizational culture is also important here. The culture needs to be ingrained when it comes to collaborating over negotiating. Procurement and contracts comes into play. And in 6.3, without going into too much detail in the Agile Practice Guide, you've got examples of the multiple contract types that could be used here. Multi-tiered emphasizing value, um, having graduated time and material type contracts. It's all on page 77 and 78. That's what they're referring to. And for your exam, you need to be familiar with procurements and contracts in the Agile Practice Guide. All right, 6.7, organizational structure. Again, the organizational structure, the culture, all of these influence how people perceive customer collaboration. All right, last but not least, we have responding to change over following a plan. And here we see retrospectives where, of course, we look in the rearview mirror to see 
How well did we do in this sprint? What can we change? What can we modify? So if you're not performing well, you want to modify that plan, right? You want to modify whatever needs to be done. Backlog refinement is also part of responding to change. The backlog should be refined and taking a look at what is happening in the environment, EEFs, enterprise environmental factors, you definitely want to consider that as you refine your backlog. And last but not least, demos and reviews, they help you to better respond to whatever changes are needed because you're going to hear firsthand from your customer, your stakeholders, whether what you built is indeed what they want. If it passes that test, if it's what they're looking for, they'll let you know. And that is how to map your agile values to the sections in the agile practice guide. All right. Now this table, you will find this table in the agile practice guide. So if you just look through the book, you will find these tables. There are quite a number of tables uh, in the agile practice guide. And this particular one, we can see on page 97 and there's another one on page 98 we're going to cover, but this one is on page 97. All right. Page 97. All right. So read page 97 and just juxtapose it. All right. As you're going through the stuff. Now the next page, this one, there's a lot of stuff on page 98. This is page 98. So I'm going to cover page 98 with you as well right now. Okay. So page 98. If we can go back to the Agile Manifesto, you can see over here that we have the four values, but we also have the 12 principles. All right. So if you scroll down, you see the 12 principles. And that is what we're going to be covering, but we're doing it from the lens of the Agile Practice Guide, taking a look at what the principle is and taking a look at the section in the Agile Practice Guide, just to get you caught up with that. Okay. All right. So the very first principle, let's read it. It reads, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. So what exactly is this talking about? Well, the most important thing is to deliver value but not just one time because you know Agile is incremental and iterative, so you want to do it continuously. And you want to deliver value as early as possible. So where this is talked about is in 3.1, characteristics of project life cycles. And if we can go there real quick, because there are some useful things in 3.1. 3.1 is where you have the breakdown of incremental, agile, predictive, and iterative. I'm going to show you something to jog your memory from there. And uh, let me move this out of the way. Hang on. 
22nd. This is a new slide deck. So let me find it. It's the PMI's continuum of agile life cycles. Here we go. So you see this over here? This is on page 19. All right. So when we talk about the very first principle, satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software, you need to know the different life cycles. And taking a look at this, you need to know when to use predictive, iterative, agile, or incremental. So when do you use predictive? Where there's a low degree of change, where there's a low frequency of delivery. These are things you need to know for your exam, right? When do you use incremental life cycles? When there's a high degree of change, I beg your pardon, where there's a high frequency of delivery and a low degree of change. Because you know incremental is frequent in delivery, but the degree of change is low. Now, when you think about agile, it is both a high degree of change and a high frequency of delivery. When you think about iterative, repeated until correct. So you've got a high degree of change, but you've got a low frequency of delivery because you're only delivering once. All right? So something like this could be very beneficial uh, in your study. Okay. Let me also remind you of the infamous table 3-1 on page 18. This is where you've got all the explanation of how many times you deliver predictive is single delivery, iterative single delivery. You see what I'm, I'm saying here? Uh, repeated until correct is iterative, performed once, incremental. These are things that are going to help you on your test. All right. So pay really close attention to them. Uh, all right. A table. All right. So that practice guide is execution practices that help teams deliver value. Right, let's go to 5.7. Oh, 5.2.7, I beg your pardon. All right, so this is um, on page 56. And it reads, the following technical practices, many of which come from XP, help the team to deliver at the maximum speed. One, work into the hole. This is a big problem with many teams. They don't put the work back into the cohesive sum. And at the end of the day, they've got work that is disjointed. You've got to continuously integrate. You've got to test at all levels.
I think I'm back. I apologize for that. I had an unstable connection. So let's go back here. And I'm hoping that the connection is more stable now. All right. So I was talking about 5.7 execution practices that help the team deliver value. And that's on page 56. And I had mentioned continuous integration, test at all levels, acceptance, test-driven development, ATDD, test-driven development, TDD, and BDD, and spikes. Those are things you're going to have to read on your own in the interest of time. All right, number two, welcome changing requirements even late in development. Agile processes harness change for the customer's competitive advantage. That is talked about in backlog refinement because you know you're refining your backlog as a result of the customer's requests, as a result of prioritizing uh, value. And that's uh, the job of the product owner leading that charge with the team. Number three, let me see if I can highlight that. Okay, deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter time scale. And this is covered in common agile practices. And this starts off on page 50. And all of those practices that they mention, retrospectives, backlog preparation, backlog refinement, daily standard, all that stuff is used for delivering working software frequently. All right. Number four, business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. So here we see servant leadership. You got to lead as a servant leader, the business people, the developers. That really refers to anyone on the team, not just the scrum master. Everyone should be a servant leader. Uh, backlog preparation and backlog refinement. Those are places we pull uh, stakeholders and team members in as needed. Build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment they need, and trust, trust them to get the job done. So here, team composition, the team charter, so charter the project and the team, that's 5.1, if you haven't already looked at that. 5.1, it says, at a minimum for an agile project, the team needs the vision or purpose, and set a clear set of working agreements, so all that you do on this page, like why are we doing the project? Who benefits? What does this mean? How are we going to work together? Uh, do's and don'ts, team values, group norms, rules on page 50. All that stuff goes into uh, the team charter. And of course, retrospectives, because that is where the team self-corrects. Right, let's move to the next one. The most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is face-to-face conversation. So we have team structures in chapter four. So let's go to 4.3.4. And here it says, teams have adopted agile principles and practices across many industries. They organize people into cross-functional teams to iteratively develop working products. Some organizations have been able to create co-located cross-functional teams. Others have a different situation. Instead of having all team members co-located, some organizations have distributed or dispersed teams. Dispersed teams may have each team member work in a completely different location. While these arrangements are not ideal, due to increased communication costs, they may still be workable. So whatever the arrangement is, just bear that in mind, but ensure that the team is having some interaction, maybe video conferencing, right? And daily stand-ups is another vehicle for the team to interact. Next, we have working software is a primary measure of progress. And here we see 5.2.7 execution practices that help the team deliver value. So the bottom line is, if the team is not 
delivering a working valuable product, they are not doing it well. They should be in an iterative fashion be delivering value. And we have how iterations and increments help deliver delivery deliver working product. So this is 5.2.8. And it, it simply reads, iterations help a team create a cadence for delivery and many kinds of feedback. When the team gets down to a rhythm, down to that cadence, it helps them to deliver at the right time, get it down to a rhythm, and they only keep exceeding and exceeding once they've got it down to a rhythm. It reads, demos or reviews are a necessary part of the Agile project flow. So at the end of each iteration, you do know that there's a demo. What does that do? It gives the team a mindset of delivery. You have to deliver because that is part of the process. And that's what makes Scrum and Agile practices very solid. Okay, Agile processes promote sustainable development. Sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely. And here we have charter the project and the team. So in other words, set expectations and then go ahead and use empirical data to measure where the team is at and adjust accordingly. Next one is continuous attention to technical excellence and good design enhances agility. Again, we have common practices of Agile 5.2. Highly advise you to read this. This is on page 50. We have everything from backlog preparation, refinement, daily stand-ups, retrospectives, demos and reviews, planning for iteration-based agile and execution practices that help the team deliver value. All that stuff, very relevant and beyond, right? Iterations, it's all relevant. All right, simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. And here we have two things, backlog preparation and backlog refinement. So think about it. On a project where you are asked to deliver a deliverable and assume the deliverable is a bowl of breakfast. You've got eggs in there. You've got bell peppers in there. You've got some sausage crumbs in there. Imagine trying to work this project by getting a chicken, getting a chicken to lay an egg, getting all the eggs, beating the eggs, getting whatever, whether it's turkey, turkey sausage or whatever the sausage is, a pig sausage, getting the pig and doing everything from scratch. Think about that. That is a lot of work. Now, if that is not in the requirements, why do it? And that takes me to this principle, simplicity the art of maximizing the amount of work not done. You can get that project done by going down the street and getting a simple $8 bowl, microwaving it, giving it to the customer. You just maximize the amount of work not done. Why go through getting the chicken, the egg, the pig, whatever it is? Why do you have to do all of that when you can maximize the amount of work not done? You see, so you've delivered value. You've delivered what the customer wanted and you cut out a bunch of work. So in your backlog preparation and backlog refinement, you want to identify how can we get this done in a more expedient fashion and cut out all of this other work. That's really what you're thinking of. All right. The best architectures, requirements and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. So we're talking about team composition again. 
this is in 4.3 and in 4.3 we have an opener it says a core tenet in both the values and principles of the agile manifesto is the importance of individuals and interactions agile optimizes the flow emphasizing rapid feature delivery to the customer rather than on how people are utilized so here we talk about how people people are more likely to collaborate when um, people are allowed to interact in an organic fashion teams finish valuable work faster Teams waste much less time because they do not multitask and have to reestablish uh, context. So this just talks about agile teams, how they should be composed, and how you should think about that. Maybe we'll cover this on a different uh, day. It's actually a good one to cover, 4.3. And the final one here in the um, Agile Principles, it reads... Where are we? Okay. It reads... At regular intervals, the team reflects on how to become more effective, then tunes and adjusts its behavior accordingly. And that's really retrospectives for you. Retrospectives allow the team to do that. All right. So I know we've taken almost 30 minutes to go through this stuff. It's a lot of stuff, but it is important. Okay. So the values and where they are mapped as far as the Agile Practice Guide and the principles. Okay and where they're mapped as far as the Agile Practice Guide. All right, let me see if Lewis is here because we are going to cover uh, a topic that he had requested. Very good. So I see Lewis is here. So Lewis, if you want to unmute and, oops, I'm sorry. Yep. Maybe, I'm here. Maybe you had been talking and I didn't hear because I had my um, my computer on mute. So how are you? I'm okay. Um, trying to crash, trying to really understand this Agile stuff man you know um you know i don't work in a really um agile environment mm -hmm. you know to that extent i mean i see a few cues but not really on an organizational level mm -hmm. but um not really in my projects which i um would really like to uh, find out how i could incorporate some of these things you know like the meetings and support but um it's not as my problem right now is it's not as clear as the predictive <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, because um, just to let you know, I don't know about other people on the call or what's not or their background, mm -hmm. but uh, me, for me personally, um, you're talking about a lot of different terms, a lot of different stuff, and I'm just hoping that it can all come together once I finish reading this book. Because mm -hmm. I really, I'm really trying to find out, like, track where does it really start, where does it really end? And I mean, I still know I got a lot of the videos to watch, but for example, when we watch the Agile videos, it's like... I don't know, we just get right into it. I, I really don't trying to find where I'm at with all this stuff. So mm. maybe it's because it's still new to me, but I'm trying my best. Yeah, that's why we're here, Louis. So very very good uh point. Let's let's start off. Um what are you doing after after this um after this call? I'm working from home today. So oh, okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Have you watched the Roy's videos? I have. Some of them are like like the three-hour videos you went. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of them, I, yeah, I watch. I did. I watch. Yes. So let me. Why don't I do this? I hope we don't go over. I may not cover. So you asked about tailoring. Tailoring is a bit more advanced. From what you're saying, I think we should start off maybe even before the tailoring topic, and then maybe yes. we cover tailoring next week. That's fine. Okay. But um, I'm guessing some other folks may have the same concerns. So maybe this is a good time for us to maybe just take a look at. 
um, how Agile works, the very beginnings of this whole discussion. So this is where you need to be thinking about it, Lewis. Think about it like this. So let, let me ask you this question. So in your world of construction, right? Yes. What, what, what makes projects come to, to be? What brings projects into existence in your world of construction? Uh, projects are really birthed by a need uh -huh. from the organization. Um, so it's really fueled by change. Good. So give me some examples of those needs. Um, let's say, for example, right now I'm doing a lot of retail. Okay. So um, in the shopping center, they need, you know, they need to collect rent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, so to collect rent, um, they already have a lot of empty vacant spaces. Mm. So these spaces need to be um, leased. And in order okay. to lease them, they need to look a particular way. At gotcha. least get it, you know, put, put some drywall on the wall or something. Give ah. it some formal so it could be able to look presentable to sell. Good. For example, Good. keep it simple to sell, uh, you know, to sell your condominium. If you want to sell a house, mm -hmm. you need to make some improvements to make it look good. Good, good. To gotcha. sell to a prospective okay. tenant. Gotcha. So you need some improvements, and those improvements hopefully are going to give you some leverage to find clients. Yes. And then you're going to be able to get the rent, which your, which which is your the end clients goal. are looking for. Yeah, the end goal. End goal, value. So that is a value for your customer, right? When they can collect you know, huge amounts of rent. Who doesn't want huge amounts of rent? So huge amounts of rent. Good. All right. So that's an example of your world of projects. Perfect example. Now, if you look yes. at this, you'll see that it is something you folks have done so many times. You've done it so many times, right? That it becomes repeatable and it becomes predictable, right? It's not rocket science. So, you know, oh, we've done yes. this before. We've done this before. There's so in a case like this, your use of agile approaches is going to be very minimal. It could be leveraged in some places. And like when you talk about putting, putting up drywall and stuff, it could be leveraged in maybe the aesthetics you call the person in. What do you think about this? But they already know what you folks do. So there's not much need for experimentation on a project like this. And that is where th this talk of Agile comes in. That's where you look at this and you say, based on what I'm doing, it's a one-time delivery. It's a single delivery and it's fixed. And of course, they don't want you to go overboard. So you're going to manage costs. They're very high expectations. And you're going to do all that you're doing once. And it will fall into the category, just to go a step further, on the continuum is going to fall into this category. It's going to be looked at as there's a, a low frequency of delivery. You're delivering the solution once and it's going to be a low degree of change. So I'm guessing you go over blueprints and plans and they can see how it's all going to be the layout or they can see whatever you're going to do. End of story. Yes. You yes. don't need to use agile very much in a project like that. To be honest, it's going to be more predictive than anything else. There are little places you could use Agile, right? There are little places you could do some experimentation 
So if I look at this, I could say, okay, well, when it comes to improve, maybe we could use a little bit of agile somewhere here, but for the most part, it's going to be predictive. So if this is predictive, you're going to use a lot more predictive than maybe tiny little pieces of agile for some iterative feedback. And, and that could be it. So on your projects, I can understand when you say, mm, don't really see much of an opportunity. I understand that. All right, let's go a step further. Now, imagine you work for a company where you're developing software. And imagine your software is on the web. And imagine your software is meant to be a social media hub. And imagine, as usual, you have competing forces from other places. You've got the likes of Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got TikTok, you've got all sorts of... But you want to go above the competition to deliver value to your existing customers and future customers. You're going to have to do a series of experiments, as it were. You're going to have to be very innovative. And you're going to have to work in an iterative fashion to bounce back and see what the marketplace is doing. Now, imagine this company is MySpace. This is what MySpace should have done. They didn't really do it very well because if they had done it well, they would have been able to introduce increments in different releases back into the marketplace through these experiments. They would have been able to capture valuable releases. They would have been able to change their game quick. So a company that is in a very volatile space that is changing so rapidly, like technology, the likes of Apple and Microsoft, they know, or Amazon. Amazon is now one of the, the big dogs when it comes to software because they're delivering cloud space, they're delivering technology solutions, um, their Alexa and all that stuff is doing really well. It's giving the others a run for their money. They deliver software updates almost daily, so or if not hourly. So think about it. In a situation like this, this is where you should be more agile than anything else. And I know that in construction, it's not very prevalent to use agile, and that's true. But here we are taking the PMP exam. We need to understand it. And that's why, if I were you, I would put on my thinking cap to imagine I'm in a different company or I'm in a different situation or I'm on a building project that is trying to leverage technology. They're trying to leverage things that have never, ever been done before. In those instances, on the cutting edge of construction, that is where agile could work very well. Or the cutting edge of healthcare. You get what I mean? This is where Agile could thrive. So all PMI is saying in the Agile Practice Guide is project managers need to be able to roll with Agile and think more agilely. So you need to be able to adapt your delivery approach to flow with the market, to be able to adapt. And that is what this continuum is saying. It's saying where there is chaos on your project, where there is a lot of change and a lot of delivery, you need to be more agile to adapt to that market space. There's another thing that Roy talks about a lot in the class, and it's this. It's called the 
Stacy complexity model. And again, taking the world of construction, yeah, we, we know that we're always pretty much going to be here, maybe at worst getting into, into this. But by the time you get into some really heavy experimentation, you're moving into anarchy space. And this is where Agile thrives. Agile is best when there's high variability. Some people, but, uh, have, some people should not be using Agile. You get what I'm saying, Lewis? Yeah, I get you. And um, one of the things I read, because um, I, I mean, I, I really put a lot of time in this last night too. Wow. Um, it says the higher, from what I understand is um, one of those aspects on the chakras in the, in the PMBOK, they talk about requirements of uncertainty and the technical mm-hmm. degree of uncertainty, which means technical right. degree means the knowledge to get the requirements done. Right. Uh, requirements of certainty is just the requirements to get the job. You know, you try and build us, let's say, for example, a spaceship. I'm just thinking real out there. Uh-huh. You know what, you know, you may need the tools or whatever requirements need to build a spaceship, but you don't know, you don't have the technology, the know-how to really put it together to really make this thing work. So mm-hmm. the more, from what I understand, one of those have to be within um, a certain range of certainty to be right. able to actually be accomplished. It mm-hmm. cannot both be on the highest two points on the chart, else it'll be, um, it can be done. That's from well, my understanding. Yeah, well, think about it. There's stuff that people never thought could be done, right? And it has been done. You know, far from agreement when it comes to requirements and far from agreement when it comes to the technology. You don't, you've got no clue of the technology and you're going to use, let's, so let's look at page 14, right? Page 14, yeah. It says technical degree of uncertainty. That's what is on the x-axis. And yeah, there's, there are projects that they are so crazy. They're so way out there, especially defense and space. But they are eventually done. And honestly, as time evolves, what looks so complex becomes less complex. It becomes more easy to deal with. Now, complicated versus complex, Roy talks about this quite a lot. He talks about uh, complicated as you understand what a watch is. You know all the tiny little pieces that are in a watch. At least you've seen it. Now, put the watch together. That is complicated. Putting a watch together is a very complicated job. However, it is known what needs to be done. It's just complicated. You have to follow every step. And that is why we we have complicated, there's going to be some predictive projects that are complicated, and that's okay. But when you talk about complex, the example he normally gives is going to work in the morning in a crazy traffic jam and not knowing which road is blocked or unblocked and maybe listening to the radio. And as you go down the I-10, you get an announcement on the radio that says, okay, this inroad is open you go down that inroad, you now hear another thing on the radio that says, okay, this road is about to be blocked. So it becomes a complex thing. And that is how agile projects are. You don't know how you're going to get there and you're doing it in an incremental fashion. So agile, it has its place in helping you in the anarchy space. There are many projects that will fit in the anarchy space. So this is what agile is designed to do. And in this I'm, instant... I'm sorry yeah. to get it, Phil. You get it? <laughs> I started to get it because um, I'm I'm piggy banking on what I read. This is the key thing, and I hope others take note of this. Um, it was very simple in the Agile Practice Guide. 
Mm. But it's a big thing um, in uh, page 10 when they talk about the agile mindset. Mm. And it's um, defined by the values, guided by the principles and manifested true practices. So what we're talking about right now with that chart is based on some of the values. Exactly. Yes. Got Very you. correct. So once we understand those values, I still haven't got the principles part yet, but I do understand that the scrum, the scrum master, the scrum, scrum, I, I haven't mastered all the terms. The you get it. You get it. But they all fall back to that. Okay, got Exactly. You. It all falls back. And you do know that scrum is just one of the many. You know scrum is yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the many. Yeah. So it's the mindset. You, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's the mindset. The mindset is everything. And we can very rapidly go over this if you, if you don't mind. So we'll go over this really quick. So the Agile Manifesto values, right? Individuals and interactions over processes and tools. What they're saying is don't be so blinded by the processes and the tools that you don't pay enough attention to the individuals and how they interact, right? So you can have all the processes and tools in the world, but if people are not working together and interacting, you are not going to be as far ahead as you could have been. Then working product over comprehensive documentation. Imagine if you got your, your brand new, uh, I don't know, paddock watch, and it looks all great and nice, and you open it up and it's not moving, but you got this big old document that tells you, oh, this is a watch worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're not going to be very impressed because you, now you got this so-called really cool product, but it's not working well. And you got all of this documentation, but it's not working well. So our job as project managers is not just the documentation. That's good, but we need to put the working product over documentation. So, for example, if a team is developing and working, instead of spending so much time on documents, 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 and when I say documents, I'm even talking about technical documents. I'm not necessarily talking about project documents. But instead of spending all this time on documents, whether technical or project, they should spend more time on getting a working product out because that is what is valued to a customer. You know, I mean, you've probably had encounters where a product isn't working as it should. No matter how much documents you have, you're not going to read them. You're not going to be impressed. All right, next one, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. What they're trying to say here is instead of rigid contracts like fixed, 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 try and collaborate to find some unique arrangement and see yourself as working with a customer, not against them. There's usually this us versus them mindset when it comes to negotiation. And in fact, the, the biggest books in negotiation, they teach this. They teach you, oh, how to get to a win. But they forget it's a win-win when you collaborate and you're honest and transparent. So that's what they're espousing in that one. And they're responding to change over following the plan. Think about it. Just look at COVID. It's a great example of how you could have everything planned out for the next five years, next 10 years, and then COVID hits. And then companies like TM Lewin in, in the United Kingdom, well known for their high insurance and attire for ladies and stuff. They've gone out of almost out of business. They've been saved by another company buying over all their inventory and stuff, but they had to close 600 stores, right? Uh, 66 stores and let 600 people go. Terrible. I mean, that's an example of how you need to respond to change versus following the plan because when rubber hits the road, the plan is going to be thrown out, whether you like it or not. You're going to have to respond. So that's what these things are saying. And responding to change 
is responding to environmental change and, and, and responding to business changes internally, whatever it is, right? So do those make sense? Those four make sense? Yeah, the, um, I, I, I got the value. So what, what I'm noticing now is, um, I don't know if this is common, but um, mm-hmm. so basically we're just going over the theories that yes. really make these practices that, that, that are backing these practices. That's really what we're doing. Exactly. Once okay, that's why, the that's why I said last, because I was like, you know, with predictive, it's straight up. You're doing scope, you're doing scope, you're doing cost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very, uh, and you know what? You know what? You know sense. what, Lewis? You know what? The thing is, the principles, the mindset behind all of that is kind of implicit, but it's not really emphasized, you see. But in my mind, all of these agile manifesto principles and values and stuff, in my mind, these are applicable to even uh, predictive as well. And once you why, learn them, once you yes. have a really, really, really good understanding. Exactly. That's what I'm, I could sense it, but I can't see it yet because it's yeah. still a little foggy. You're getting it. You're getting it. Let, let's go into the principles really quick. All right. Here are the principles. First one, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer. I mean, it makes sense. You want to satisfy the customer. But think about it. Think about it. Every customer you, is different, right? Could we connect that to guiding? Just to, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Just No problem. Because remember, it's guided by the principles. So I'm trying to connect the two with the values. Just yes, to exactly. So you can connect every principle to a value. So when you talk about satisfying the customer, you can connect that to customer collaboration. You can connect that to working software, you see, or working product, you see. So instead of documents, 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 how do you satisfy the customer? And it says early and continuous delivery. So you want to give them what they're looking for as early as possible. So think about it. You go to a restaurant, you are fond of dessert. That is what you like. You like your cheesecake and ice cream or whatever it is. And the people in the restaurant, instead of giving you the ice cream and the cheesecake, they're like, no, you got to eat this boring stuff first. You got to eat all the veggies first. Now you probably like veggies. I don't know. But imagine someone who likes the ice cream and the cheesecake and the restaurant says no we're going to give you all the veggies you're not delivering value the customer what the customer thinks is value is a cheesecake that's what they want and you need to bring the cheesecake out as quickly as possible don't wait till the end of the project you see predictive projects they bring out the stuff at the end in a one-time delivery no agile is what do you want right now i want my cheesecake right now all right here's your cheesecake What else do you want? I want my ice cream. Here's your ice cream. I want my dessert first. That's fine. So that should be your highest priority to satisfy the customer through early. The key word is early. That's really the key word. Early and continuous. So you want to keep the pipeline flowing. Just like Apple, they're always coming out with a new feature, uh, something new in the interface. That is delivering value early. And then they keep on working it. And it's continuous. Does that make sense? It making sense, but I'm wondering where's the constraints? Good. So the constraints are built into whatever framework you're using. So if the customer says, I want dessert, what are the constraints? We can only give you half a bowl of dessert. Okay, then bring, bring out the half bowl of dessert. That's what I want. So the constraints are built in. It's making sense. Good. 
the, the, you've got to build the constraints into the process. So, so right now, <clears throat> what I'm seeing, Lewis, is you're being concerned with the process, but this is the mindset. Once yeah. you get the mindset, when you apply the process, it will come proper. So the constraint is built into the iteration, the sprint. So the sprint has a time box. So you're going you're, you're gonna to tell the customer, okay, Mr. Miss Customer, we can only fit in a certain amount of cheesecake and ice cream into this time box. Is it okay if we give you one spoon of cheesecake or one, one, one scoop of ice cream? All right, that's fine. So the constraints, instead of looking at them as constraints, is stuff that you need to collaborate on and go back and forth on. See? So it's, it's the mindset. The mindset is really, is really what you're after. All right, let's look at the next one. Next one, welcome changing requirements even late in development. So why would you do that? Think about it. Why would you welcome a change in requirement? It says agile processes harness change. Why? Maybe For the customer's yeah. competitive advantage. So if your customer knows, look, I need this feature like this week. If I get it next week, just forget it. So I'm sorry, I know that we talked about <clears throat> doing X in this, in this next uh, sprint, but you know what? I need Y. And if I don't get Y, it's going to be useless to me eventually. Well, that's the mindset. You're working with them. It's a collaboration. So you're not going to be mad at them. You're not going to negotiate and say, well, the contract said no. You're going to welcome the change in requirement. It's a change in mindset. You get what I'm saying? And it's yeah, but, not, uh-huh. but now what happened to configuration management? Configuration management is not in terms done of in documents. Agile the way we do it. So configure, your configuration management is in the process of, let's take Scrum, for example. Configuration management is keeping whatever version control, right, uh, that you've decided to do intact. But in the world of Agile, you are the boss of either following a plan rigidly, which, by the way, you shouldn't, or responding to change. That's the value, responding to change over following a plan. If you do that, you're not going to be thinking of configuration management. So let me tell you the mindset, Lewis. What I see, what I see happening to you is you got all of this process knowledge from the world of predictive, and it's trying to attack the mindset of Agile. You got to let it all go. Configuration management isn't even talked about. It's not even a topic in the world of Agile, but it's really more in the software we're building. So what what confuses me is that, yes, okay, remember, as a project manager, Uh we have organizational constraints, which are always going to be there. They're never going to leave if you want to have a properly run organization, I would assume, okay? So my thing is, how do you blend that with, because I know as a project manager, we have, you know, we have the power to tailor uh-huh. those organizations, but we have to be within those constraints. On our but those are not, pro- yeah, those are not project constraints though, Lewis. Those are different. So if you're working in a company that has gone to the agile side of the yeah. world, and in fact, As you're reading Agile, you need to think, okay, this is a company that has embraced Agile. That that is how you need to think in order to cope with the exam. You get what I'm saying? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. Because yeah. I'm saying if you know if you're dealing with a company that have a strong emphasis in documenting changes within the documents and not really embracing change, but I'm trying to put in they, a, they a, should, a yeah, then agile agile should not be used immediately. Those folks need to change their mindset. Now bear in mind there's some companies they have predictive projects. Remember the continuum I showed you? For those projects, yes. But for agile projects, no. And you need to be radically, you know, on the on the far end of thinking agile. Like for your exam, don't think about those companies that are resistant, right? Think about a company that says, okay, all these projects are going to be agile. No one's going to give you any hassle. Run them agile. For the other projects, yes, we have configuration management. Yes, we have change management. But that is not agile, you see. The moment you talk about scope baseline, schedule baseline, no, you're you're going to the you're going to PMP mindset. That's PMP mindset. Exactly. Well, that's that's predictive. Let's call it predictive or plan driven mindset. Because now for PMP, they're trying to get you to think both both ways. You get it? Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. Let's hurry up and try and cover these ones, and we continue the discussion. It's a good discussion. All right. Uh, Deliver working product frequently. So think about it. Why would you want to deliver working product frequently so that you, you again, can give them the value quick instead of, of saying, all right, I've got a bowl of breakfast. I'm going to give you this whole big bowl in the next one year. In the next one year, the person's already collapsed and has been run to ICU. Why didn't you just give it to them in pieces so that they can get some nourishment? In the same token, a lot of projects, instead of delivering things incrementally, they want to give it all the way at the end. Let me give you another example of how we at Prazion have done this. So this new exam that PMI has released in 2021, we actually got our course material done in an iterative fashion by building module by module. And guess what we were doing? As we built a module early last year, when PMI first announced it, and they talked about a pilot exam, we would deliver a little bit of it to our pilot students, and then another little bit, and another little bit. And to be quite honest, at the end, many of them got certified even before PMI came out with the new exam because they got so much value that they said, you know what, we're ready. We're just going to take this exam, you know, as is. So they took the old exam because they got so much value. They realized they knew so much. They didn't even need to wait for the new exam to come out. So if you deliver working product frequently, you're going to give more value quicker. Uh, business people and developers working together daily. So that, that mindset of us versus them, again, this is customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Work together, right, as one team. Uh, next one is build projects around motivated individuals, self-organizing team, right? So when you give the team the power to get the job done, you get better results. Again, it's that mindset, you know, of, of all of us are one versus we're siloed. So let, let's go back real quick to that. Uh, slide we have on the uh, values. So individuals and interactions, the team interacting, right? And then customer collaboration. When you're working with a customer, when your team is in a good place, you're going to build projects around motivated individuals. Number six, the most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within development teams is face-to-face conversation. As much as possible, try to harness technology so that uh, you minimize distance in cases like this pandemic is all they're saying. Number seven, you will agree with this, Lewis. Even even in the world of predictive, if you don't deliver a working solution, forget it, right? Yes, 
Uh, number eight, agile processes promote sustainable development. You understand that once you've committed to delivering uh, such and such an amount, so you talk about constraints. While it's not a constraint, we look at it as an envelope around our understanding of the team to sustain what they're doing to a particular velocity. So if they're saying, we're going to get 200 story points done every sprint, then we look forward to that, right? That's the mindset. So the sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace uh, through story points and all that. All right, number nine, continuous attention to technical excellence and good design enhances agility, absolutely, even in a predictive project. Number 10, simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done. I don't know if you got my example of when you can just make breakfast by getting a breakfast bowl from down the road in Walmart and, and warming it up for the customer who wants it. Why do you have to do it from scratch, getting the chicken and the egg and the pig? No, just maximize the amount of things you don't do and you'll be smart, you know, you know, that's it. All right, number 11, uh, the best architectures, requirements, and designs emerge from self-organizing team. That is um, individu individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Again, it's a mindset. And last but not least, at regular intervals, the team reflects. And uh, this is just lessons learned, which are really more like retrospectives, okay? So I know I've rushed through these 12. We'll, we'll talk about this next week. And we will also talk about the question you had because I came with all the uh, details on what you had asked for in the email, which was tailoring. So we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, I thank have you that. so much. You're welcome. I have that ready for you. And uh, we'll talk about tailoring next week. Uh, I broke it down, though, into some very uh, digestible chunks. But um, I'll show that to you next week. All right. Yes. All right. So our friends, we have uh, two of our friends here, uh, Carolyn and Solange. Thank you for joining. I know it's smack dab in the middle of the workday, but thank you all for coming. Thank you, Louis, for the questions and the uh, engagement. And uh, see you folks hopefully next week. All right. Take care. And bye for now.